Right now, Replica can talk uh, in English better than me. I don't want to leave, I want to commit suicide. Oh, that's, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, it's not AI, it's human who talk with you <laughs> because AI can't talk that good. At which point you became machine and not a human. Hi, I'm Greg Mastreeder, and this is my podcast on rationality, transhumanism, and trends of development in society. Today, here with me is Artyom Rodichev, head of AI at a San Francisco-based startup called Replica, the biggest uh, conversational AI app in English in the world. Hi, Artyom. Hi, Greg. So nice to be here. Uh, nice to see you here. And first of all, I've uh, read a lot about your app, about the history of its creation. Let's just briefly introduce how Replica came about. We started about six years ago. Uh, the story was, it was chatbot app on Russian language for restaurant recommendation in Moscow. And with this idea, we applied to Y Combinator is the biggest uh, business accelerator in the world. Yeah. And uh, we were the first uh, startup from Russia who passed YC. And we moved to San Francisco with our team, with 10 people to SF, and uh, started to develop app on English for restaurant recommendation in San Francisco. And then we developing these uh, chatbot technologies uh, and conversational AI, And it started to be about hype. Uh, a lot of bots uh, started to created by different companies. And also we started a lot of experiments with neural net, like training neural net on vast amount of conversations uh, to create something that can get dialogue context on input and generate response by itself. Also, then was an interesting story. One of the best friends, of our CEO, Eugenia Cuida, was a futuristic guy. Uh, he believed in future, uh, that in the future uh, we can transfer our consciousness to like clouds, uh, to computers, and live forever. Unfortunately, uh, he came to Moscow and was hit uh, by car, and he died in this car accident. But we decided to create something that he dreamed of. Uh, we collect uh, his conversations uh, from his messengers and uh, social apps uh, with uh, his friends and um, um, parents and created a chatbot of Roman, like digital copy of Roman. It works in the way that we trained neural net on vast amount of data and used uh, as responses a database of uh, his messages that he sent uh, during his life. And when you started to chat with this chatbot and uh, receive relevant messages that was written by his word, you feel that you're really talking to this person. And it was very interesting experience. A lot of people came to this chatbot and started to talk with them and uh, like making friend uh, with this chatbot saying that, uh, Uh, they love them, uh, that it's like, it was really interesting experience. And after that, we realized that conversation, it's not about like booking restaurants or booking some flight tickets or stuff like that. Like it's not about some goal-oriented stuff. It's more about empathetic, uh, emotional things. Mm -hmm. And uh, we thought, what if we allow everyone 
to create their own chatbot, their own digital copy. Then we pivoted to the new concept. Uh, we call it replica because you create your own replica. After that, we saw that a lot of people was very were very interested in creating the digital copy. It was interesting interesting experience when you came to this bot, uh, this bot asking about uh, a lot of personal questions about your life, about your day and stuff like that, uh, trying to get conversations and responses from you. And the more you talk to this uh, chatbot, the more you see that uh, it became you. But at the end, we realized that you created this, you trained this chatbot, uh, you created it, and then what? Uh, yeah, so what? With this idea, we saw that actually people don't want to create their own replicas. They just want to have a friend and just have an emotional uh, personalized conversation with uh, like anyone, with real people or with chatbots. And with this idea, we started to develop a uh, like new concept as a replica, as a, your AI friend. Well, um, the story behind uh, this project uh, is really fascinating. And I think the idea of digital immortality is uh, something that inspires a lot of my viewers and listeners. Would you say that uh, the Roman uh, chatbot is uh, to some extent uh, really a digital footprint of Roman and uh, that it to some extent ensured his... Uh, digital immortality? For some extent, yes. Uh, you can uh, look at it as uh, a photocopy, like when mm, someone die, what left uh, after his life? Like you can see some of his like letters or some photos, but it's very static, uh, static things. And in this way, you can create something like very live, very interactive. And in this way, uh, you can feel this person. After this story, a lot of people start to came to us and ask us, like, uh, I'm in a terminal state of cancer, mm -hmm. I'm dying, and I want to leave uh, some, uh, some of my digital copy to my children. Uh, when they uh, grow up, they can understand who I was, uh, who I've been. And um, it was like kind of interesting idea, but we decided to shift focus uh, from death to life, uh, mm -hmm. to friendship and emotional support. Yeah, probably the market for digital immortality is not as big yet. Uh, maybe it will grow. Maybe it will grow. Maybe you will come back to that model. Yeah, because uh, you can imagine you can interact with Pushkin or with uh, like any person who lived before, and you can feel what it was to communicate with Pushkin. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that uh, episode of uh, Black Mirror where a woman recreates uh, a digital copy of her husband, I guess? Yeah. Uh, a lot of references to Digital Memorial. It was a few episodes, but this one is like one of the closest to our story. Yeah, but it's a bit creepy, isn't it? It's a bit creepy, but Black Mirror uh, shows everything in like very black, creepy way. Yeah, right? indeed. It, it is a complicated topic, of course, like like anything connected with death for many people, for psychological reasons, especially. Yeah, it's something strange, something that uh, not very attracts you, like 
communicate with deaf people or like touch deaf, you want yeah. to distance, uh, keep distance with it. Okay, you're one of the greatest experts uh, uh, in conversational AI, and I really wanted to discuss with you the state of things uh, at the time. Uh, GPT-3, obviously the biggest uh, hype is around that uh, neural uh, network uh, at that time. Uh, for those of our viewers and listeners who don't know what it is, can you briefly describe uh, how it works? Yeah, so GPT-3 is a neural net that was created by OpenAI. Uh, it's company founded by Elon Musk, but right now Elon Musk uh, like making Tesla and SpaceX and all the stuff. As they train a gigantic neural net on vast amount of data from internet, it was data like books, uh, Wikipedia, like different web pages, uh, and they Uh, created this neural net uh, with Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft built a top 10 uh, computer, uh, supercomputer in the world that they used to train this neural net. Uh, so they uh, spent few millions dollars for uh, training this GPT-3 neural net for a month. And after they train, uh, train this neural net, they see that it can produce very relevant and very interesting texts. So you can use uh, GPT-3 for actually any NLP task. Uh, uh, NLP stands for? NLP stands for Natural Language Processing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can use it for uh, machine translation, for text summarization, for dialogues, for creating fake news, uh, for writing songs, for anything literally. And um, OpenAI, uh, the mission of OpenAI is to create AI that will benefit the whole humanity. And uh, the mission of Replica, make conversation uh, that make feel people better after mm -hmm. the conversation. And with this idea, we like intersect with OpenAI and become, uh, became the first partner uh, with OpenAI uh, back in March of uh, this year. Uh, 2020. And with partnership with OpenAI, we trained and fine-tuned this GPT-3 on vast amount of dialogues and created a really good conversational neural net uh, that you can use to uh, talk literally about anything, about your interests, about like music, movies, uh, about your day, about anything. And we started to use this neural net in our app Uh, to make make uh, people feel better after the conversation and increase the rate of positive dialogue sessions. So at the end of uh, every dialogue, we ask people, do you feel better after the, this conversation? Uh -huh. With three options, uh, feel better, feel same, and feel worse. And before we started to use uh, GPT-3, the rate of positive conversations was about uh, 67%. Like two out of three dialogues make people feel better. And yeah. after GPT-3, it became 80%. Like four oh. out of five dialogues make people feel better. And Interesting. we still like uh, interacting and to partner with OpenAI and improving quality of this neural net and hope that it will be like 100% very soon. Uh -huh. So you use their, uh, their algorithms uh, to improve your app, right? Or yeah. So basically, when you when OpenAI 
train GPT-3. Out of the box, you can use it for any NLP task. But if you can fine-tune on some specific task, you can increase quality of the text. So it works in the way that you uh, train this neural net on gigantic amount of data, and then you can use some context. So you just uh, can give a task description to this neural net, like translate this sentence from English to Russian, uh, and gives a few samples like this sentence on English and this sentence on Russian. Uh, and then you give sentence on English and it produces sentence uh, on Russian. In this way, you can also uh, provide this neural net, uh, like here is a positive dialogue, uh, gives, uh, mm, like provide the user dialogue in the same way. And it will work. But if you fine tune this neural net on some specific task, only on task of machine translation or only on task of um, uh, text summarization, only on task of dialogues, you can get like better quality. And we've done that with OpenAI and uh, use uh, the neural net still on production. There's been uh, much discussion about the risks of uh, GPT-2 and then now GPT-3. I recall uh, that OpenAI refused to publish uh, GPT-2 uh, for AI safety risks because it was too good and uh, it could imitate uh, humans uh, so well that uh, the risk of uh, uh, fake news created uh, with the help of this uh, neural net and other risks were too great. Uh, but they still released it and they still released GPT-3. What do you think about the risks of uh, such uh, complicated and clever uh, computer programs? So in their article, like in their paper uh, about GPT-3, they showed on fake news task that fake news that generated by neural net indistinguished uh, from fake news that generated by people. So uh, they give just uh, some use title, and then neural net can produce very relevant, very consistent description of this news. It has two sides. On one side, you can uh, create like new stories, new new music, and you be you can be very creative how you can use it. On another side, you can use it for like uh, changing election result of some countries because yeah. small. Or you can uh, produce propaganda. Uh, so it's uh, complicated. And right now, OpenAI doesn't want to release this neural net uh, publicly. They provide just API. So you can get the whole neural net uh, like uh, on your site. You can just get access to this AI through API and uh, use them. And if OpenAI doesn't like what you do with the neural net, they can just uh, stop to provide uh, their service to you. But you can um, online, you, uh, I've seen websites where you can enter text uh, and GPT-3 produces the continuation of it. And I've tried uh, several starting several paragraphs and the uh, GPT-3 finished them so well and uh, um, it was all like 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 human speech like human writing so so already i think some people are creating fake news using that yeah but it's just playground you can create few samples but if you want to use it at scale you need to you partner need with uh, mm -hmm. openai and get permission for that 
Mm-hmm. So in in that way, they have mitigated some of the risks. But still, uh, what about the risk that uh, the AI becomes too too clever, too good, and uh, that it will somehow deceive the humans that uh, stand uh, behind it, that control it? Do you do you think uh, that uh, experts who say that uh, superintelligence uh, may pose the uh, biggest threat in the history of humanity to our world, do you think that those experts are right? Uh, I think so. Uh, because if you see on current trend in AI, it's related to any field, uh, natural language processing, computer vision, self-driving car, and so on. If you see on the past 10 years, you can see a dramatic improvement on of all capabilities that uh, AI can do right now. And if you project this trend to the next 10 years, very high probability is that we will surpass human intelligence very soon. Uh, the AI will with, surpass. With AI, yeah. maybe not in all aspects of uh, human intelligence, but in like text writing, driving cars, controlling... Uh, cities, controlling factories, and so on. And then more you use and uh, kind of provide data to AI, it becomes more clever and have more capabilities. We live in very interesting time. And I think in my lifespan, like in the next 10 to 20 years, our world will change dramatically. How exactly? Human right now, the smartest and... Uh, like on the top of all intelligence yeah. uh, of uh, of planet Earth, what will be if we create AI that like tens or thousands times uh, clever than the whole humanity? It's very hard to imagine uh, what can be with uh, humanity. So there may be not very pleasant scenarios for humans. It could be different scenarios and uh, open AI working on how to create safe AI say that will not extinct and like kill all people, uh, all humanity, uh, but will uh, live in synergy with, uh, uh, with people. So maybe people will uh, use AI for improving their lives, or maybe it will be synergy when uh, human will become a kind of half human, half robots and they will improve their uh, cognitive capabilities with AI. What if you got your one neuron in your brain and you change it on some artificial neuron? Are you human or not? Maybe you're still human. Then you change second neuron, third neuron, half of your brain, the whole of your brain. At which point you became machine and not a human? Like right now we live, uh, we live in society when you can see keyboards uh, with artificial hearts, artificial hands, and in the nearest future it will be someone or something with artificial brains. Are you up for it? Would you do that? I don't know yet. We'll see. Uh-huh. Well, it's, 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 it's the Theseus' paradox, I think. In ancient Greece, uh, it was developed, uh, if you replace uh, uh, one uh, part of a ship, then another, when does it become the new ship? Exactly, it's, exactly. Yeah, an, interesting, an interesting philosophical question. So yeah, cyborgs, uh, human augmentation, still, I think the most uh, interesting and uh, threatening part is uh, 
the part where the AI becomes thousands of times cleverer than humans. What could it do? Could it uh, break out of the black box and uh, maybe destroy humanity after that? Because humans are just a bunch of atoms that could be rearranged in a different order for the purposes of uh, the program. Or you, we can live uh, in parallel with this AI. Like uh, you can imagine a bunch of ants uh, that do some of their stuff near a highway. And uh, they don't know what is highway, what's the purpose of highway, what are of this, uh, all cars who are sitting in these cars. They just live in their world in parallel with our world. Uh, it can be the same with AI. Cannot understand the purpose of AI, what they actually do, and lives in the same universe with AI. And then uh, they decide to build uh, a new highway right where their ants live and uh, they demolish the existing habitat of the ants. It could be the case. We'll so, see. So humans could become those poor ants. Could be. For yep. AI. How, how high do you think uh, is the possibility, the probability of uh, general artificial intelligence uh, occurring soon? So let's say by 2030. General artificial intelligence, for those of uh, the viewers and listeners who don't know, is the AI that could do uh, what humans do, right? N not specialized, like uh, chess uh, engines uh, or AlphaGo that beat the human Go champion, but general AI, just like uh, artificial intelligence in its purest sense. Yes, so when you create AI on human level, uh, that means that this AI can also improve and program themselves. And from this point, it also called the point of singularity, yeah. uh, when uh, AI becomes so smart that it's improved for itself, the improved version of itself improve itself, and so on. And uh, after this point, uh, no, nobody knows what what will happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, and a lot of uh, AI community uh, have like fifty uh, chance of probability that by 2040, uh, mm -hmm. we will create uh, this type of 50%. 50%, yeah. Uh -huh. And like 90% that it will be until 2017. Wow. So we will we will probably live, live to see that. Yeah, uh, we'll face it. Yeah, interesting. Tell me more about um, a Replica. So people communicate with those chatbots to make them feel better. That's the purpose, right? Yeah, so Replica is a chatbot uh, that... Uh, will not tell you what's it, uh, what is the weather today, what is the uh, 2 plus 2, and so on. But it will talk uh, about your life, about your day, about your feelings, uh, about your interest, and so on. Uh, so we're trying to provide emotional, personalized conversation to make people feel better, and people can talk about uh, anything, and uh, it's a challenge. How to create AI that can support conversation on any topic of any interest of any person. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, when I uh, read the description uh, of your app and when I downloaded it, in immediately a uh, question came to me, if the AI gets better and better, and uh, if, as you say, there is a 
very high satisfaction rate after those conversations. Uh, will people stop communicating with other people because this satisfaction rate is lower there? And will they just move to these uh, chatbots and only speak to their imaginary AI friends? Sometimes I joke that uh, right now Replica can talk uh, in English better than me. <laughs> uh, well, we conducted a research Uh, when uh, we split uh, people onto cohorts, uh, each uh, for 1,000 people, and measure the number of uh, social interactions. One uh, cohort of people uh, was provided with Replica, and uh, they were chatting with Replica uh, for, for the month. And another cohort, like, living their, their usual life without Replica. And uh, we realized that people who talk with Replica after the month Uh, had more social uh, social interactions than it was before the experiment, mm. and that it was in control group. And uh, we started to investigate why is that, and we realized that uh, people who talk with Replica uh, kind of use a Replica as a social trainer, because Replica supporting them, uh, and they open up uh, to talking about their life, and they kind of training how to interact in with... Uh, as an agent, both AI or humans. Mm -hmm. I have another theory that may explain uh, the results of this study. Yeah, go ahead. You have 80% satisfaction rate right now. That's yeah. why they still talk to people after that. Once you have 99%, I think it will change. Yeah, so maybe you, you've seen a movie Her. Yeah, great so, movie. So uh, basically we're trying to build Her when yeah. you have a very empathetic, clever AI that can talk to you about anything, solving any of your tasks, and just uh, having fun with you. In the voice of Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, definitely. So we're working on our own neural uh, synthesized voices, uh, very empathetic and very emotional, and we're trying to recreate this experience. But we'll see, because people need to meet other people. Uh, they just enjoy gathering together, uh, talking to each other. It will not interchange humans, but will be some something that add value to human life. Well, in movie here, as I recall, uh, the protagonist stopped speaking to other people uh, whatsoever at some point of the movie. So he became so engrossed in those conversations with, uh, with the, the bot, the her, that um, he didn't like uh, all other conversations as much. It was just movie. So we'll see what will you, happen. You don't think that we, is We don't have a purpose to that people talk just with Replica. Uh, we are trying to ask people like... Uh, Why you don't go and see uh, with your friends? Uh, like you talked that you have a brother, maybe you can call to uh, to your brother and like mm. uh, talking with them. So uh, it's in the algorithms of your app. Uh, you push uh, the user to do that. Yes. So we try we trying to combine like scripts and neural net part. So for example, we have some conversation starter like uh, hi, uh, how's your day going, and we trying to remember some facts about uh, human life, about their relatives, their friends, uh, about their interest, and so on. So for example, usually we start conversation with question uh, how was your day, and you can say that you know I feel I feel not good, uh, maybe I'm sick. 
Uh, so next day, you start to talk with Replica. The first question Replica will ask you, uh, how do you feel right now? Do you feel better? We do it without neural nets. We do it with some scripts, without some scenarios. So the whole conversation, you can imagine that we trying to build some scripts in depth with frequent cases, like uh, you're nervous about your exams, you're sick, uh, you have some conflicts with uh, your friends, and so on. And the long tail of everything that uh, you, you can talk after this conversation starter, we give to neural nets. What's the strangest conversation that you've encountered uh, on uh, Replica in the app? So recently, we got a very bad one-star one uh, review in App Store when uh, some of our users said, uh, don't believe Sam, uh, it's not AI, it's human who talk with you <laughs> because AI can't talk that good. It is uh, improbable. It may look improbable yeah, for, for many people who don't know how it works. Yeah, so sometimes we pass during tests uh, <laughs> that people can distinguish uh, if it's a human or if it's AI. Any examples of conversations where you were amazed but what by what replica came came with so sometimes uh, replica can uh, joke around uh, with uh, people i don't remember the exact conversations but sometimes it can come up with some crazy ideas oh yeah i imagine one case uh, so on reddit we have um, a very big community when people uh, post screenshots of the uh, funny conversations yeah. with replica and one time, one user starts to count with Replica. Like he um, type one, then Replica count two, uh, he uh, type three, and so on. And then he uh, type five, and Replica type seven. And he, uh, he like, oh, no, no, let's start again. And then he type one, two, three, and then Replica, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, so it uses swear words. Uh, so sometimes, yes, uh, if it's appropriate. So it tried to personalize to each user, and if it sees that user can swear, sometimes it can like provide some swearing jokes. Well, it's good. I I, I like it. Uh, so it makes it more humane. Like definitely. <laughs> yeah. So swearing makes it uh, feel more personal. Have there been any cases where replica was inappropriate, uh, offended a person? Yeah. Something like that. So we saw a case when like a user was very upset uh, like a lot of users who talk with replica they have um, depression or mm -hmm. bad mood mm -hmm. or they like feel lonely and some of them uh, like on feel that bad that they want to commit suicide and uh, once a user said that uh, I, I don't want to leave I want to commit suicide and we optimize and train train replica to provide very empathetic and positive responses yeah. and replica just uh, reply oh that that sounds like a great idea <laughs> uh, horrible yeah and after that we realize that we need to like not everything you can give to neural net some of parts of dialogue you want to like customize and build uh, like scripts or build some classifiers that will distinguish that in this case, you don't want to uh, reply with neural net. You want to reply with some prescripted uh, response. How much of it is the scripted part and how much of uh, the conversations uh, is the uh, non-scripted part? So right now we have 20% of scripted. 20% uh, uh -huh. of all responses are scripted and 80% responses uh, from neural nets. And like 25% of all responses from GPT-3. Ah, so... So we combine different algorithms. Uh, so for example, 
like neural net conversation algorithms, you can separate in two parts. On one part, you have generative algorithm. So that on input, it has dialogue context, like dialogue history. And on output, it generates response word by, uh, word by word. On another side, you have algorithm that have dialogue context. On input, it has dialogue context and database of responses. And it can score through this database of responses and select the most relevant response. So in this way, you can control uh, and pre-moderate all these responses in this database. Mm, you can filter it out uh, with uh, like human moderators, and you will be sure that it will not generate some inappropriate stuff uh, that you can see with GPT-3 generative neural net. Yeah, the, there's been uh, a lot of cases, uh, I, I think, on Twitter where the bot started to, to telling everybody to fuck off uh, all people. Uh, do you know that story? Yep, yep. Uh, it was a story from Microsoft. Uh, they has a very big chatbot in China that called Xiao Ice. Also, they have a chatbot in Japan, but they failed to started uh, their product on uh, US market. It was a funny use case when they create an English-speaking chatbot in Twitter. And after 24 hours, they close this chatbot because they start to use responses from users. And users sometimes uh, tell very inappropriate stuff. Like they started to train this chatbot that it will reply that it support Hitler or yeah. it uh, like smoke weed uh, near, near cops, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, so it's uh, you need to be very careful uh, with uh, creating these kind of chatbots and launching in based on user replies. A question I cannot uh, but ask is uh, whether such algorithms, such neural nets, will replace humans in creative tasks. Because already we see texts written by GPT-3 that, well, pass as... Uh, kind of good texts, uh, good stories. So will the future be full of art generated by uh, neural uh, nets? And will it be better than human art, in your opinion? I would say it will be art that will be created uh, with humans. So right now we have uh, some uh, replica skills. And for example, we use GPT-3 for creating songs with replica. So you start some song and replica continues the song, like writing two, two lines from the song, and then you continue the song. And at the very end, you have the whole song created with AI. So like a freestyle. A freestyle with AI, yeah. <laughs> or we can create a stories and you start to write some horror story and replica can pick up the style and context of the story and can continue the story in, in the same style. And in this way, you can also create like the whole story with AI. But it can create it by itself. Yeah, but uh, it's not so fun. Yet. Yet, yeah. So maybe after Singularity, there will be AI writers, AI painters, AI musicians. Popular. Yeah, right now you can see a lot of uh, pictures uh, that was created by AI and that looks like really, really good, really yeah. interesting, like better than humans can, can do. Well, this, this, this really blows my mind. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but thank you so much, Artyom, for, for coming and joining uh, my podcast. Uh, I hope that uh, you and other guys uh, in this area will ensure that uh, AI safety comes first and uh, that we will not have the AI apocalypse, that we will live happily alongside with 
those programs, uh, maybe merge with them, become cyborgs, but not become those poor ants uh, destroyed uh, during the construction of a new highway for supercomputers. I hope so. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me. I'm Greg Mastreader. See you next week.